Well, good morning. I just want to add uh, to Scott's announcement on the men's retreat. Men, you, you don't want to miss that. Uh, that's going to be a great time. Ron Barris is uh, a pastoring now, has been a pastor for a long time, has worked uh, as one of the vice presidents, I believe, at ABWE for a number of years. And uh, he is uh, a great communicator, godly guy, loves the Lord. You don't want to miss that. Ladies... Uh, if you have any influence or impact on a man that you love, your husband or whoever, um, get them there. Uh, make sure they come because it's going to be a great time. It will be worthwhile uh, without any question and I believe a, a great help in their own individual growth and godliness. So plan on that. That's the first weekend of November. I think it mentioned, somebody mentioned it somewhere along the way, but we planned that because it's, it's like time change Saturday night. So men, you might not sleep a lot Friday night, but you'll get an extra hour Saturday night, see? So that's the idea, so plan on it anyway. Hey, please open your Bibles with me and stand, and we're going to read, as we've been doing, the 23rd Psalm. Maybe some of you can quote it. While we're reading, right? Huh? Anybody there yet? I hope you're still working on the scripture memory there for Psalm 23. But here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and mercy... <laughs> And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. See that old memorization slips in there. I meet with a couple, uh, about four different guys. We do scripture memory during the week. And man, it's always that battle between the old King James and the, and the NIV. It's like, ugh. Uh, anyway. All right. Hey, I trust you're working on the scripture memory there. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. We've been talking about he is all I need. Therefore, I will never lack any good thing. Verse 1. Nothing. Anything I need, I will not lack. Anything I need, not anything I want, right? Anything I need, I will not lack. And then all I need... Uh, I, I will never lack rest or refreshment. We looked at that last week and how he makes me lie down in green pastures. And we will never lack rest or refreshment because the Lord is our shepherd. And today, Psalm 23 and verse 3, I will never lack restoration or direction. Restoration or direction. So have you ever fallen and can't get up? Maybe you don't want to admit it, right? Um, 
Yeah, falling, that's one of the most awkward things, right? It, uh, because it seems it always happens and the whole world's watching. And, uh, but have you ever fallen and can't get up? Now, I'm not talking about the advertisement for Life Alert, right? I'm uh, not going there. Um, I'm talking about sheep. And we're sheep. So when I say, have you, ever, have you ever fallen and not gotten up? As a sheep, one of God's sheep, as our shepherd, are you there? Sometimes sheep do fall and can't get up. I don't know if you knew that. If you've at all been reading uh, the book that we recommended, uh, Philip Keller's uh, Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, he talks about that. But I Googled that. There's all kinds of videos out there, believe it or not, of sheep that have fallen and can't get up. And sometimes they lie down to rest. They find a nice little hollow spot in the ground, nice green grass, and they, they kind of lay down and, and their legs are out to the side, right? Well, what happens if they, they start, you know how you itch your back? I do that on the wall all the time. That's the, only, that's the best way to scratch my back. But sometimes those sheep, they lay down and, and they're just kind of squirming around to get comfortable. Well, if their legs lose touch with the ground and they just kind of roll over on their backs and sometimes everything shifts inside of them. If it's a, a mama you who, who's had pregnant and, and, and that baby moves and, and then they're stuck and they're laying on the back, their back and when they get to that point, they literally can't get up. Shepherds call that position uh, cast. They would call it a cast sheep that he's gone down, rolled over, and is on his back. And they actually, no matter what they do, sometimes you'll see the feet, just all four of them just flailing and trying to get back, and they can't do it. And that's called the cast sheep. And a shepherd is the only one who can restore that sheep. The other sheep don't care. They're not going to run over and give them a little nudge or whatever, try to get them. They have no idea what's going on. They got their heads down in the grass and they're eating or drinking or whatever it may be. And the shepherd has to be constantly on the lookout for a cast sheep, a sheep stuck on its back and cannot get up. And in fact, a good shepherd, any shepherd who's been at it for a while, knows that that isn't just a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence. It happens regularly. And the shepherd has to be watching for his sheep who roll over on their back and get stuck and cannot get up. Have you ever felt like that, spiritually speaking? You just laid down, you're tired, you're worn out, spiritually and you're just at the point where you can't get up. You just feel, I'm stuck. I understand the truths of the Word of God. I, I know that I need to praise God for things and whatever God brings into my life. But spiritually speaking, I've fallen, I'm on my back, and I just can't get up. Maybe you're down. You can't get back on your feet. Maybe you feel like your time reading the Bible, trying to gain some nourishment, some growth, something to, to get you stronger is sometimes maybe it's just dry and meaningless. You feel like you're marching through the desert wilderness with the Israelites. 
Uh, maybe your prayer life has become routine and boring. Uh, you can't remember the last time that God answered one of your prayers. Uh, maybe the needs of others don't concern you anymore. You hear about somebody who has a real need and prayer is being asked. Maybe volunteers to help that individual and, and it doesn't seem to bother you at all. Maybe your heart for serving is cold or non-existent. Or how about you show up on Sunday morning like right here but it's a struggle to even want to be here. And all of these things bother you, but you don't know what to do. In fact, you've fallen and you can't get up and you're just not in a good situation. I got to tell you, as we read Psalm 23, the Lord is our shepherd and he has a solution because he is all we need. Now, it's one thing to say, yeah, I believe that. But when you're down and you're laying there on your back and you can't get up, sometimes you've got to grab hold of that truth that we're going to look at this morning. So the Lord, our shepherd, has a solution. Psalm 23.3, look at it if you will. Um, in your Bibles on, uh, or in the Bible. If you don't have one, want to have a hard copy under the chair in front of you, page 382. And um, I, want, uh, I want you just to follow as I read. We've already read it together, but Psalm 23, 3. Uh, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. So because the Lord is my shepherd, I will never lack restoration or direction. That's the 23rd Psalm. All I need. I will never lack restoration or direction. Now let's just dive into that restoration part of it. I will never lack restoration. And we read David says, he refreshes my soul. Let me ask you. So if the Lord is your shepherd, not just you know about this truth, but if the Lord is your shepherd, you have the relationship of shepherd and sheep. He's your shepherd. If that is true, if he is all you need, if you would say, if we ask and we say that statement and you go, oh, amen, amen, if that's true, why? Would you need him to restore your life? If the Lord is your shepherd, he's all you need, why would you need him to restore your life? Well, let's look at the meaning of that word restore, and that might help us understand that a little bit. Because the NIV that we've just read, that I've encouraged you to, to memorize, says he leads me, well, um, that's last week. He refreshes my soul. He refreshes my soul. That's how the NIV reads. The word really is better, restore. He restores my soul. 
And without going into the deep meaning, because there are multiple meanings of that word soul that are used throughout the Bible, the Old and New Testament, basically it's our life. And we can settle right there and say, as it read, the Lord restores my life, my soul. And so as we look at this idea, the word refresh in the NIV, really the better word is restore. And the idea there, it's used in a number of ways throughout the Bible. Um, back in the Old Testament, in 1 Kings chapter 13, it's used of restoring a withered hand. It's also used in um, uh, Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 8 of restoring captives that were taken exile from their land, of restoring captives to their land. It's used in Isaiah chapter 58 of repairing walls of a city that were broken down. It's used in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 25 of rebuilding a city that has been ruined. And that's the word restoring that we see there. And so simply put, the idea of restoring is returning something to its original condition. Returning something to its original condition. Some of you may have a hobby or a business of restoring old furniture. You do the best you can to restore it to its original condition. Some of you may have worked on older cars and your desire is to restore them to their original condition. I referred to a, a car show, a Corvette show, that a couple of us went to down in... Uh, in the Harrisburg area uh, a month or two ago. And, and man, these Corvettes, these older, early 60s that are, looked like they were brand new. Somebody has worked long and hard to restore them to their original condition, unless they just parked it in the garage since 1963 and didn't touch it, right? And it's, but, but you have to work at it and shine it up and fix the broken parts and the rust and, and get it restored to its original condition. Our shepherd desires for us to be in the way we were saved. Our original condition, our saved condition, he restores us. And sometimes physically and spiritually we get out of sync. He restores my soul. So why would restoration be necessary? Well, I want to suggest two possibilities. Number one, to overcome sin. David, who's writing Psalm 23, King David, the shepherd king. He was a shepherd first, king second. But David was called a man after God's own heart. When Samuel was told by God to replace King Saul, he's told they gave that word to Saul, hey, you're no longer going to be the king because of your disobedience. And he said, God has, is looking for a man after his own heart. David was called that man after God's own heart. Yes, even after he sinned. But that man after God's own heart sinned, committed adultery, committed murder, and it took him down. Sin will take us down, and it made restoration necessary. Look at Psalm 51, just ahead a few chapters in uh, the book of Psalms, Psalm 51. 
And uh, you also might want to look through sometimes Psalm 32 because both of these psalms are talking about David's time after he was confronted about his sin. And we read Psalm 51. This is David's own response. Psalm 51, verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. That's the word sin. Big word for sin. Verse 2, wash away all my iniquity, sin, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, he's talking to God, against you, you only have I sinned. Listen, folks, when we sin, it is first and foremost against God. And we who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we've been transformed, we've been forgiven because of our faith in Jesus Christ and His work on the cross. Even when we're forgiven once and for all, we don't ever lose that salvation. We still sin. And when we sin, it is always against God first. That's what David says, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Now jump down to verse 10. Because here's what David's, David's acknowledging his sin. And if we're going to be restored when we sin, that's the first step. We have to admit it. We have to, we don't just say, oh, I'm sorry. You all know how sometimes we're just sorry we got caught, right? You understand? That's not what we're talking about. Uh, you know, especially kids, right? They know they've done wrong. And they're sorry. No, you're sorry you got caught. You're sorry about the consequences. Are you really sorry for what you did? And confessing that sin is a whole lot different than just saying I'm sorry. Confessing means I admit I did it. 1 John 1.9 is a verse that we use as believers. It is not, folks, a salvation verse. It is a verse for believers, for those who've been saved, who when we sin, we admit our sin. That's the word confess. It means to say the same thing, to say the same word, to say the same thing about our sin that God does. That's if we confess, 1 John 1.9, when we admit that we did wrong. We sinned. We're told that he will forgive us and cleanse us of that unrighteousness. So as we talk about that, that's it. Look at verse 10 then. David says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Your salvation, what God provided us through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. His salvation, he forgave us. Restore, restore, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing heart to sustain me. You know, folks, sometimes, and we've talked about this, we, we all know what grumpy Christians are, right? Or who they are. And I don't mean specifically, don't start looking around. Oh, yeah. Oh, 
oh yeah, oh, oh. no. That, as a, sometimes we don't have the joy of our salvation, of God's salvation for us. You know why? Because of sin in our life. And it may not be like David, adultery or murder. It may not be stealing. It may not be lying. It could be some of those under-the-surface kinds of smaller things that we think don't really matter, and yet we've lost the joy of God's salvation for us because we don't deal with all sin. Well, we'll, we'll acknowledge and take care of the big stuff because everybody else sees that. But the stuff that only you and I before God know about, that's just as bad. And, and we need to recognize that and we need to admit it. He says, that's restore me to the joy of your salvation. Admit that sin. Acknowledge, God, I'm calling what I did sin just like you do. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? 1 John 1, 9. That's the confession. And, and that's what David is talking about. And you could see that as well in Psalm chapter 32 and, and see as well how David responds. But we need to be restored when we sin. Be restored to the right, sweet, comfort, closeness of God, our shepherd. And that only happens when we call our sin, sin. But secondly, we need to overcome sadness. And I really struggled to find a word. I, could fi I, I, I didn't need to find an S word because sin, sadness, right? Alliterated there. But, but I just, sometimes we can call all the words we want. I, I could use sorrow. Because David, as you read through the Psalms, David expressed often in his life the emotion of mourning of grief. He, he'd wept. He said, I've been weeping. I cried through the night. He talked about that. At times he was overwhelmed. He was in distress. And there are times when, when he was just down and out, not because of sin. It could be because the enemies of God were attacking him and that happened often. But he cried out, and, and it's just an extreme sadness. And we experience that in our lives when we just sometimes struggle in our walk with God, and the sadness is there. Psalm 42, please take a look. Psalm 42 in your Bibles, again, just turn back from Psalm 51 a few. But Psalm 42, wow. Now, this is not David writing here. This is a different psalmist who's writing but it illustrates a person's life who is overwhelmed by sorrow and sadness. And, and, and I would encourage you to read Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. You say, oh man, it's all negative. It's like down. It's like, oh, why do I want to read that? Because it's good to know that we get that way and need to cry out to God. I sat in our family room the other day reading this to Jane. And I was crying. Because three times in Psalm 42 and 43, the psalmist says, Why? Why, my soul, are you downcast? 
Why so disturbed within me? Verse 5 of chapter 42. Verse 11 of chapter 42. Verse 5 of chapter 43 of Psalm 43. All the same. Why? Why? Oh, my soul, am I downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Can you relate? If you can't, you're not human. (laughs) Because we go through those times when all you feel like you can do is weep because we don't understand what God's doing and our hearts are broken. And the the, the psalmist, why my soul? Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. If you were to read through these two psalms, you'd find out Starts out by saying, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God now? And then the psalmist goes, why? Why? Oh, my soul, am I so distraught, so downcast, so disturbed within me? And the psalmist was crying out, God, I need you. And people are mocking me and say, oh, where's God now? And he says, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. And I didn't have this in my notes, and I'd quote it for you because we learned it, and I think I can get it, but I don't want to mess it up. I want to start it right. But Psalm 15, 13, uh, I've I've focused on this verse, and, and here's what Paul says, Psalm 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Folks, those those just aren't words. That's hard. When you're down, when you're on your back and you're kicking your legs and arms and feet and, and you don't know what to do and you can't get upright, you need the shepherd to come and roll you over and restore you and get you up and trust God. The shepherd's looking for those kind of sheep. He's caring about us. Luke 15 talks about the 99 sheep, the one that was lost, and the shepherd goes to look for the one. It very well could have been. I'm not saying it was because it doesn't say. We don't know. That one sheep very well could have been laying out in the field somewhere upside down, not able to move. And the problem is when the sheep lay there like that for too long, they die.
And when we feel that kind of sadness, we put our hope in God. And the psalmist continues, for I will yet praise him, my Savior. I will yet. It's coming. It's going to happen. As I put my hope in God, I will yet get to the place where I can praise him. That's trust. Because that's where we want to get. And when we're fallen and when we're struggling in our lives and we need to be spiritually restored, sometimes we don't feel like praising God. But when we put our hope in God, we get to that point. We remind ourselves, we sang that song, what God has done for us. And, and when we do that, we get to the point where we can say, oh, God, I praise you for your hand in my life, for rolling me over and getting me back up on my feet, for restoring my soul. He says also, I'll never lack directions. Verse 3, he refreshes, he restores my soul. Here it is. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. When we've fallen and can't get up, we often lack direction. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. God, what are you trying to tell me? God, what are you trying to, what are you trying to point out in my life? What is it you want from me, God? I don't know. I need your direction. He guides me along the right paths. You know, there are countless paths out there. There are countless options and opportunities that are that are fighting. There are countless voices that are competing for us, that are calling out to us, that want our attention, that want to lead us away from the right paths, that want to take us away from our shepherd and our walk with God. Isaiah 53 and verse 6, Isaiah said, all we like sheep, See, David's not the only one. The psalmists aren't the only one. Isaiah said it all. We, like sheep, we have gone astray. And we're told there that we have turned to our own way. That's our sin. That's what sin does. It turns to our own way. And then we read as we go on there, and the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, on the shepherd, the iniquity or the sin of us all. Why? Jesus died for us. He died in our place for our sins. Why? Because our sin takes us our own way. Our sin takes us away from God. The Solomon Proverbs said, there is a way that seems right to a man. And isn't it interesting? We often think our way is right. And then we blame God for the outcome of the decision. But those ways often are the ways of death. That's what Proverbs says any number of times. And when we talk about we need God's direction, we need to be walking in his way, the right paths are literally the right track. You know, sometimes the shepherd would follow the wagon tracks back to the sheepfold because he knew where they were going. And as we talk about the right track, he does lead us, but how do we know that right path? Well, John chapter 10 
And if you want to look at that, John chapter 10. And, and we've been there. We were there the first Sunday. We were in uh, Psalm 23. But John chapter 10 and verse 3. John chapter 10, verse 3. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, for the shepherd. The sheep listen to his voice, the voice of the shepherd. He calls his own sheep by name and, look, leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, leading them. And then it says, and his sheep, those who are his sheep, those who know him, those who have trusted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sin, his sheep, as it says, know him, follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Now, Jesus is teaching this, and he said that's what sheep will do. There are times when you and I, as sheep, listen to the stranger's voice and don't run away from him. And what we read here is that our shepherd will lead us. And we follow because we hear his voice. You say, how do I hear his voice. How do I gain the direction and the guidance? Well, the shepherd always leads his sheep. You know what? I, reading through this, I came across this thought, this statement, that both leading by the shepherd and following by the sheep are evidences of our salvation. If you're not one of the sheep, God's not leading you. Because he doesn't know you as his sheep. And if you're really one of his sheep, you will follow. The shepherd always leads his sheep. He calls them by name. The sheep recognize the shepherd's voice and always follow him. The lesson is clear. If that's how God is going to direct us, if that's how our shepherd is going to guide us and give us direction, we must recognize his voice. How do we do that? Right here. That's how. We are never going to get direction about any decision or direction in life that is in opposition to the truth of the Word of God. Never. We must know the voice of of the Lord, our shepherd. God uses his word. Oh, sometimes he'll use circumstances. But those circumstances will never, that experience will never contradict the truth in the Bible. Never. So if you say, God's led me to do this, and you can't find that as something true in the Bible, there's no way God's leading you. Oh, but you may feel like that's what you want to do. That's your emotion. Over the years as a youth pastor, I had students tell me often, oh, God wants me to, it's okay if God wants me to date this unsaved person. Or it's okay later down the road if God wants me to marry this unsaved person. You know what? 
God's not leading you to do that. You know why? Because the Bible is very clear that that's not God's will for you. But I, but I feel that. In, uh, no, you don't. Oh, you might feel it. It's your emotions. It's not your Holy Spirit. That's what the psalmist, that's what David's saying when he says, he restores my soul and guides me in the right path. So in light of what you just heard this morning, what do you need to do? What do you need to do? Are you in need of restoration? Is there unconfessed sin in your life that's been there and you just kind of put it in the back of your life, sweep it under the carpet? Or maybe, maybe you've just been overwhelmed by sadness and sorrow and you feel like God's not listening. You read through some of these Psalms and you hear, God, why aren't you listening to me? Why don't you pay attention to me? Why do you ignore me? God doesn't ignore us. He does listen. He does hear. He does know. He does care. We just sometimes don't feel like he does. And that's when we need to put our hope in God. Are you in need of restoration? Or secondly, are you following the Lord, your shepherd? You know what? Sometimes we miss the leading of our shepherd because we simply don't want to follow. We don't want to obey. We want to go where we want to go. We want to do what we want to do. And when we're stuck like that, we miss. We don't hear the voice of God because it's in opposition to his word. So are you in need of restoration today? Are you following the Lord, your shepherd? Remember, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. I will never lack restoration or direction. Because he, my shepherd, is all I need. Put your hope in God. God, thank you. That we have a loving, caring shepherd. A shepherd who gave his life for us on the cross, died in our place. So that our sin could be forgiven and that we could become a child of God so that we could become one of your sheep. Oh God, I pray for those today who may need restoration because of sin. Or just because of that sadness and sorrow and wondering where you are at times. God, help us to listen to your voice. To be in the word, read the Bible, to grab hold of the truth that you have for us. Help us, God, to know that we will 
never lack your restoration or direction. Oh God, you are our shepherd. We have all that we need. Thank you, Lord. Help us to follow. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.